What's bloody happening, people? You'll never guess. I have forgot to record an intro. This episode was last week. Shane came all the way over from Dublin, so I need to do a bloody intro. So I first heard Shane maybe two or three years ago when I first started coaching. Yeah, so really early on, I started coaching three and a half years ago, and I came across his podcast and it was all about like the menstrual cycle pcos and he was delving into like complicated topics and i learned so much so before we get into today's show he has a podcast with over 400 episodes all about fat loss and coaching and he goes right in depth so if you want a new podcast or you're just starting to listen to like fitness topics and stuff like that definitely go and listen to him before we get into today's show I can't explain enough how much podcasts have zero reach in terms of getting new organic listeners. So the best way for me to grow this podcast is getting things like ratings and likes on YouTube and subscribes. You can only like really do like short form videos and hope that people come over. But my other alternative is just getting a shit ton of ratings on Spotify and a shit ton of reviews on Apple. So if you're listening on Spotify, I've got like 1,400 people that follow the podcast and there's 149 ratings. I want to get this up to like 200 by the end of the year. I'm going to have a big push because my thought process is when I see a podcast and it's got over 200 reviews, I'm like, okay, that's not some peasants just having a little gimpy chat. That's not just two mates that went, Oh, I'm going to do a podcast with my friend and then do 10 episodes. It's an actual podcast. So if you can help me out with that, that would be fantastic. I'll let you go in a second. Before we start, just a quick little, what did we talk about? Oh, Shane went into a whole deep dive into like personal stuff he's went through that he's never spoke about before, about have like collapsing and how he'd never been in the gym until he was 29, and then rediscovering himself after that. And I didn't know any of this stuff about him, and I've got to know him pretty well. He was here for a full day, and when I went on his podcast, which you can listen to as well on his show, I went into really personal stuff, but I'd do that anyway. Sure, everyone knows my life if they've listened to my podcast. I just feel like my listeners don't exist, and I can talk into a mic, but... Yeah, there's far too many people that know far too much about me, you know, but that's the way it is. By the way, I know you exist. You speak to me in my DMs and I, I most of the time reply. Um, So I know you exist, but it feels better if I can speak and pretend you don't. Does that make sense? No? Okay. See you later. Um, enjoy. See you in a second. Enjoy the show. You actually got questions, have you? Ah, fucking nerd. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I don't like not like having. I parents like prep all the time. I just wanted to call you a nerd. I don't. So I never, I never actually look at it. It's more. It's just a mental. You know what I do? Because I noticed that you deleted half your fucking Instagram posts. Did you? Yep. Because I, I, I looked at them all before i deleted i sat down for 20 minutes on saturday and deleted probably about 800 let's say so i go back to people's first posts first post is probably about fucking 
Oh, it had just been your starting PT or something. I can't remember, but it was, I, was, I don't know why I even deleted them. I was kind of like, I think I was just sitting there. It's kind of like, I'm trying to change things a little bit with get the social media actually fucking nailed and actually do it properly this time. So it's kind of like, I bought a mic and but I needed a clip add on to make it to an aux and I, it's the wrong fucking one. So I even <laughs> tried to kind of fucking get that right. I can help you without me. Yeah. I so, can help you though. Because even I know everyone has those road mics and I was like, I'm not spending 250 quid on the mic. They're only 100 quid. They're 250 on Amazon. Are they? Yeah. So maybe put them up because everyone's... Yeah, I'd say so. Probably because Sean's got everyone but on. But I think it, there's a certain thing with... Is there not like... If you if you don't have an iPhone, you have to go a different adapter for if it's a, um, uh, Android. Probably, yeah. I would say so. so. I think that's what But that's your fault for getting an Android, to be fair. Whatever. <laughs> Steve Jobs is dead. <laughs> um, what I actually wanted to... I know I'm at... You're making me fucking nervous now because I'm sitting open with my it's fucking right. questions I, I like that. Like um, I wanted to actually go back and... Because uh, you said on one of your podcasts as well, you don't speak about like your, where you came from enough. So I actually... I told you that on your podcast as well, didn't I? I wanted to yeah, go more into that. Yeah, because I found that... Because I think you and yourself and Oshin were kind of very... That you were very close together when I was doing them. And I got mad massive feedback from like clients and particularly the ones I've had for a long time. They're like, you need to talk about this stuff more. Yeah. It's like, it's all well and good talking about fucking PCOS and all this kind of stuff as much as you want. But that must have been rough for you, to be fair. But PCOS. I was, it was horrible. <laughs> the extra hertzism and the acne and the <laughs> missing cycles. <laughs> I might think I have <laughs> excess hair growth. <laughs> tick, tick, tick. I think, I've been, I think he can. I think there is male PSOS. Well, I probably suffer from it. I reckon <laughs> I'll label myself right now. Body cunt over syndrome. <laughs> um, so all I know really is that your your mental health was on the floor and you started doing Joe Wicks. That's all I've really heard okay, you speak well, I'll about. I'll go into it. Yeah, how's it going? I'll go into it then. Or is it too traumatic? I don't know, I, I've, I've spoken about it previously with some. I know some people kind of find it a little bit uh, triggering and stuff, but yeah, I'll happily talk about it. So it was recruitment you were doing? Yeah, so I worked in recruitment from first when I left school. I was a bit lost as we were talking in the car on the way over. I was a bit lost, didn't know what I wanted to do. And then kind of went into the bank and left the bank shortly after because uh, I just didn't enjoy it at all. And then went into sales and recruitment just as a way to kind of make money. I was okay at recruitment. The money was was grand. Wasn't didn't wasn't overly enthusiastic about it. And then kind of did that for six seven years. But there's always a void. And I know in yeah, I was just I, there was a gap missing. I was kind of like I don't want to work for someone else. Like I'm working this hard to make this. Per- I could see how much on the board because the board was in front of me where I sat in the office. Like I'm making this amount of money for this person. I'm getting this amount. Why this is this is annoying me. Yeah, yeah. And then on so April 2017, I went into a new recruitment agency or started a new different job. Um and on the Monday started that job and then on the Saturday I was admitted to hospital. So on the Saturday morning I woke up with fluid on my I woke up with blood clots. So we didn't know what it was. So this arm was about probably that big. Fluid in the elbow was really like it was it was it was like 
water in like a plastic bag. It was that kind of feeling. And then there was a rash on the forearm here. So I went into hospital. You just woke up and that was just like- Just woke up. I was like, Jesus, the gym's really working. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. Because <laughs> I was doing Joe Wicks. <laughs> um, that's the clip. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I kind of rang my parents. It's kind of like, this is weird. And I was like, oh, it should calm down. Like he went home and played golf. And then mom was like, I was kind of like, two three o'clock in the afternoon still hadn't subsided actually getting worse it wasn't sore um and i rang my mate's uh, now husband and he said well yeah you need to go into the hospital um you need to go vhi vhi couldn't do anything which is kind of like the one of the insurance companies uh and went into the clinic they're like can't read anything i'll give you a letter to skip the queue to go into a and e so i drove myself into a and e with my mom in the car that was silly um and <laughs> was laying on a bed for about 24 hours and then eventually they're like all right you can have a bed so i went in was in hospital for a week they couldn't figure out what was going on they're like you're 29 years of age why are you getting this we don't know what it is i knew i had a feeling they knew what it was but I, they were afraid to say what it was so on the i think i went in on the saturday about tuesday i went in to one of the specialists and they were like trying to find the blood clots they got one of those machines that they use in pregnant women and the last thing the the doctor tried was to actually put my arm up out straight. Um, and they found it just kind of in here in the collarbone. They found like a, you could see it on the on the screen that there was like a black dot. I was like, like, it was like blood is dark. So they could see it there. And they found the other one down here. So they're like, right, you need to go and get surgery. So they opened up. Oh, sorry, I get really queasy, by the way. I get really uneasy. Something I said. And I was like, well, less detail, less detail. So they were like, right, you need to get surgery tomorrow. So I was awake for the surgery. Screen here in front of me. They put in like a tube with a balloon on, opened up the balloon, and they opened up the vein, and then the thing released. Uh, And then you could see the the arm kind of go down. So I was in hospital for a week. And then, meanwhile, the old job were kind of ringing me nonstop, kind of sussing out like what was going on when you're coming back is in recruitment. If you, they, the whole motto in recruitment is if you're not in, you're not paying for your desk. So they really didn't give it a shit. They're like, well, we're paying you a salary. You're not paying your salary here by being sick. So was, yeah. As in you pay to make money on this desk? Yeah. So basically we're paying you a salary, but you're not here even after two weeks, we're still paying you here, but you're not actually making us any money. So what's actually going on here? I was like, shit, buzz. Uh-huh. Uh, so I just kind of kind of said after about two weeks, I was like, went in against my judgment. But what what actually happened with the blood clot? Like how, why, why did that happen? Still don't know. Still don't know. I generally put it down to probably being depressed. I wasn't looking after myself in my twenties. Like I wasn't doing drugs or something, but I was going out at nights out. I'd been through a breakup uh, recently, probably about two, two and a half years before that. That's about two and a half year relationship. Um, and kind of went out in the pace. I was kind of fell into the wrong crowd. Was playing football, and the football lads were big drinkers. So I kind of fell into that crowd, uh, and just felt myself kind of changing. I was kind of like a little bit lost, and I'd say it was like it was depression. Like if I'm being honest about it. Um, and then I went back into the office about two weeks later. And within half an hour, I collapsed on the floor with fluid on my lungs. And I was rushed to hospital again. So, yeah, that was my body was just completely utterly shutting down. So I'd obviously got an infection in the hospital. 
and my body was just completely and utterly shutting down. So I had to get the surgery open again to get the fluid out of my lungs. So whatever they did. Is that uh, from another clot? They think it was linked to it, but they think it was just an infection from the hospital. My body was just completely like. Yeah, weak. you're on your your immune system's already. I was fucked. Uh, so after that, kind of was like, right, I have to quit my job. Uh, I was advised by the doctor I wasn't allowed to work for a good while. They kind of they mentioned 12 months. I was kind of like, mm, we'll see. Um, I'll ignore you. <laughs> I'll politely decline. <laughs> Thanks for your advice, but I didn't ask for it. So I, I, sorry, like six weeks afterwards, Father's Day was happening. And there's a photo on my phone. I think it's still on my phone. There's a photo of me on Father's Day with my dad in the living room. And I have the photo. If I showed the photo, I, I've showed the photo to my dad since. He's like, who's that in the photo? I was like, that's me. I did. Like, have you ever posted this on Instagram? Yeah. Was, I'll, I've seen it. Because there was a few. I was like, whoa, that's mad. Yeah. So I have one and a half hair. So I mean, I recognize it. But I, I lost about 10 kg in about six weeks. After hospital? After hospital. I just couldn't eat. Went into my room. Wouldn't come out. Would literally come down to get the meals and go back up. and just kind of do nothing. Were you living at home in this time as well? Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of like, I was completely lost. And then... This is where the link, you found me on Brian Keane's, I think. So yeah. this is where the link with Brian Keane came in. So Brian Keane's a podcaster in Ireland, if anyone's not aware, and he's in fitness and health. And he said, I don't know how, I, I never listened to a podcast in my life. And the first ever podcast I listened to, he said on it, stop caring what other people think. And as soon as I heard that sentence, I rang my dad and I was like, I need to go to talk to someone. And he was like, oh, we've known that for a while, but there was no point in me or us pushing you because you wouldn't have done it. So then dad opened up about his mental health struggles when he was um, when he was working, there was an accident at work and stuff and he fell into, because I, I remember seeing him now that he was quite gaunt when we were kind of growing up at one stage and he was really struggling. But I was put that on- That class from your dad, by the way, because not many people of that generation are able to do that. Yeah, and I would have, but, but you know what you put your parents you can, people can put their parents up as like particularly dads anyway like Superman I was like if he if he if, and this is what the logic in my head of thought process at the time was like if he can do it well then I can do it if it's okay for me to do it well then I'm going to do it Um. so I went to the GP and said right I need to go and this is how I'm feeling she was like here's, here's some antidepressants I was like I don't really want to take them she's like well here's some antidepressants I was like you're not listening to me but I'll take them anyway so I started taking them. And what like, were they? I can't remember what they were. Like I tried to block that bit out. So like this piece of thing over here is red. That would look gray to me when I went on them. I, I sounded drunk all the time. And I just felt weak, felt like literally had no energy. From what I've heard that most people describe it as like numb. I was numb. I literally could. I, and I've known people personally who have gone on them since and they felt the same. They Don't get me wrong. They do work for people but that wasn't what I needed. I've been talking about this quite a lot because I've had quite a few instances where clients have went to GPs and stuff and I just, I'm like, you just don't have time to, or you don't have time or any solution to give to these people and the only thing you have is medication and that I find hard to deal with. But at the same time, you want to not slag it off because there's people that it will save their life at the same time. It's yeah. like really hard to talk about 
Oh, yeah, and that GP is no longer a GP. You're one. Yeah, and that's not a dig at her. She that's, she was doing her job at that time, but I always struggled to go back to her because of it. I was like, because I used to go to her dad. Her dad was my GP initially, and she was the daughter she took over the surgery, but I always struggled. Whatever advice she gave me after that, I just felt hurt by it because he put so much faith and trust. It's almost like you're broken and you need this. You need a pill to fix it. Do you know what I mean? That's, yeah. that's what it sort of feels like when it's like not like why. Yeah. And then in fairness, she kind of said, was like, there's a name we can go to to go and talk to. So I went to talk to Sharon. I've never done. I'd never done therapy in my life. Went to Sharon. Sharon just it just happened to be that she was um, she used to compete as a bodybuilder. But she was very no nonsense. And I think that's probably where I get my no nonsense approach from now. Like my dad's very no nonsense and my mom will be quite cutting at times and in a nice way. And then she was very cutting. Um and I went to her and she what was she? She was a therapist. And within the medical system? No, like so she, was, she was private. Okay, how did you find her? GP. GP kind of said there's this place you can go to, Connolly Counselling, uh, in Dublin, which is probably about fifteen minutes from my house. So that's paid for? I had to pay for it privately. Okay. Because um, it's very hard to get people. A lot of people ask me now, like, how did you find your therapist? And he was my old podcast producer. So the guy that was sat there and produced my pod, like, changed the camera. Yeah. And he used to do therapy in the studio. So I used to speak to him all the time. And I was his, I was his podcast client. And then I was like, are we too close for you to do therapy? And he was like, just not close. Like, just bef- like if we kept on doing it, he was like, I can still take you on as a therapist client. So I fell into it. Okay. Like as in I just met him randomly. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I would not, I remember I tried to get therapy the year before and I just Googled people and the only ones that I could find that I like sort of related to had never heard from them. Yeah, it, it's a lot of trust to put in because the big thing that people feel is a fear of judgment. And that was my big thing because my way, having gone through the whole process, which Aaron, I was, I did it probably for the first three months, once a week. Um, so it was full on and then you'd had homework afterwards and then the second three months was kind of like every two weeks um, and I was still doing the homeworks and stuff and then after about six months I kind of just felt like genuinely I weighted lifted off my shoulder it just felt like content I knew there was stuff still to be worked on and said there always is but I felt a lot more at ease having spoken about it with her and kind of navigated a few things but don't get me wrong, there's still stuff that crops up about it. it was validation from other people, acceptance from other people. Like I was severely bullied. My whole depression came from the need to be liked by other people because I was severely bullied as a kid in primary school. What ages and what uh, what for? Physical and emotional. Uh, so from the age of about seven to probably about 14. And then I had severe acne in secondary school and I just completely withdrew. Like I went to that school that I went to to play sports. And that was the reason I chose it. I didn't play a sport because I cared what other people think because it was a massive like rugby school. And you get a rugby? I was meant to. That's <laughs> a massive rugby school. I could have been. <laughs> could have been. <laughs> well, would have been. Um, so I, was, I went to that school to play sports and I kept getting called in by the head of the year and it's like, you need to go and do something. I was like, I'm not doing it. And they're like, kept giving out, kept giving out. And I was like, I'm not doing it. So do you I, have any friends? I had I had two or three mates 
that were really, really close. One from the age of four that I went to secondary school with as well. And then the two lads uh, as well. And But they brought in other people in. So like I have a group now of 18 from school that we'd be in a WhatsApp group. We'd have the Christmas dinner. We'd have everything together. So it's like because of that branch out that I kept those two or three or had those two or three, should I say, that it allowed me to kind of branch out to the other people who I may not have spoken to. Like if, if I was, if I went in, I always used to get dropped into school really early. I would just sit in an empty classroom and I would be a communal area. It would be like table tennis or whatever, or pool or whatever it may be in the school. And I would just go into the, into the, the classroom and just kind of sit there on my own waiting for the class to start and even on yard like we play football at break and that would be my release but i wouldn't play sports as a as a social were you depressed in school then do you think i'd say so yeah i'd say i've had situational depression i'd I'd say i've had traumatic grief a lot of ptsd kind of stuff from that yeah like the the bullying in primary school was probably the worst like i remember getting my head shoved in so we had used to have these railings and my head was pushed into one of those and tried to get tried to push my head through the railing um like head pushed into grass head pushed into like tarmac yeah it wasn't nice and it kind of it does it does defeat you like i remember like i just just didn't really talk to people and then when it came to like talking to girls like my hairline non-existent (laughs) non-existent and like it'd be so fucking awkward i think that so when i i done like a full podcast on my experience with therapy and I try I tried my best to be as honest as possible. That's why and I've I have seen quite a lot of PTs coming out and saying like they have meant like the mental health struggles or whatever and they're like, oh but now I'm out the other end of it. But they never mention what like anything about what it happened what actually happened. And I always think that's just for likes. If you know what I mean? Like I think it's very easy to just say oh I struggled but not mention uh, mention anything. But it could also be a they're not ready to to get yeah, to that sure. chapter because there is a process so if you if you had asked me six years ago to mention what it was i wouldn't have been able to say it yeah but fair. now you're kind of a lot more accepting of it like does it does it define me no but i also do think that health scare that i had in 2017 scariest thing that ever happened but also the best thing that happened because i had bought sleeping tablets shortly after that Father's Day photo. Uh, and I was just, so that I had bought the tablets on the Sunday. I'd heard the podcast with Brian on the Monday. It's the day after. And the tablets are going to arrive on the Friday. You got overdose on them. That was the plan. To, I took taking sleeping tablets. I was going to take sleeping tablets. Fucking hell. Um, but I, so I, I tried to be as honest as possible on that podcast. And I think, so many men struggle and they don't they don't figure out how bad it is until it crops up with women i think that's where or like both only if you're straight but i think that's the thing that kills men the most is like struggling with women i think that's what mine's always just i used to be all right until i got in a relationship and then my head would just be absolutely fried and i always found i always find when you dig a little bit deeper it's like usually crops us suppose you had a job that you absolutely hated yeah. but i found like the self the low self-esteem would come up whenever i was properly like vulnerable if you know what i mean yeah like there's times kind of like my self-worth can drop quite quickly like if i 
and my self-esteem so self-worth is how you see yourself self-esteem is basically how you think other people are thinking of you so i know when i first i, I would say esteem for myself then yeah like as an adult i think i think about myself fine until i get in a vulnerable situation then i'll overthink yeah and i and i i i would openly say that i still do struggle to like open up their sitters that wall of kind of like i'll let you into a certain point and it's kind of like it has to be drip fed in i won't just go yeah because it's too scary yeah like i find a podcast easier to talk to than other things like it's just like right this is just press record gone i find it easier that way uh like i think on the podcast that i've done is like this episode 11 and that's the open story about what's going on but this is next level to it like this is the next step of that but i wouldn't have been able to do that when i recorded that episode five years ago yeah um but it does like i know i know the self-esteem thing the self-worth thing does ramp up but like i took myself out of when i got sick i was single for five and a half years or five years and i was just like i wasn't able to one i didn't want to but i also threw myself too much into the working the mad hours of PT, thinking that was going to fill a void. And what I was actually looking for was a sense of belonging. I'm not trying to play the sympathy card with this job, but it is lonely. Um, like you are locked in a room talking to a screen or to WhatsApp or through a microphone for kind of like 10, 12 hours a day. Well, that's why I work from here now. I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, and I've I've... I can see like maybe the maybe having having a, a different workplace or getting one of those communal work venues or working in a coffee shop probably will be best. But when you said to kind of come over, I was like, 100 percent, I'll just get out, do something, get to talk, get to see sunny Glasgow. Oh, yeah. Fucking air. I, I saw the sunny side. <laughs> Seen the council flats in the air. Yeah, yeah. Lovely. I saw Parkhead. <laughs> Haven't seen Parkhead for about 13 years. <laughs> um. I want to actually go into what therapy was actually like, what type of therapy you'd done and just what, because for me, right, two or three months in, he just started like digging really deep into. Oh, Sharon went full on deep in, full, full. But what I liked about what you said as well is, so I was going to go for therapy when I was in, so I started it in Australia, but I done it over Zoom but only because I didn't want to do therapy with a fucking well-off Aussie that would absolutely not understand a fucking Glaswegian boy that grew up with a True. grew up with a schizophrenic mum. They were not going to get that. So I went with him, but he, he straight away told me, he was like, look, this will be hard. And he was like, "You same way you tell your clients, they've got, you've got to do it, otherwise nothing will change. He was like, whatever I kind of give you, you've got to do it. And like, I just... He wasn't like pushy. He only said it once, and that was enough for me to go right. He's not going to take any sort of shit if I don't do what he gives me after. If you know what I mean. Yeah. And I, uh, yeah. but he was uh, he was also really understanding at the same time. But I t- kind of treated therapy like my work. If you know what I mean. Yeah. One of the things that was said to me was like, if you if you hadn't have done the homeworks, you wouldn't have got through this as quickly. Yeah. So like, I I generally. I probably have an element of type A yeah. in that if I want to do something, I'll do it properly. If I don't want to do something, not fucking happening. It's like when I got tested for ADHD at school, I was like, he wants to, he doesn't want like, he knows what's going on. He just doesn't be here. Teach him something that he wants to actually, 
um well I, my driving force was i wanted to i didn't see me being able to ever get in a healthy relationship with Harris. yeah without doing it so I, I, I didn't want to be one and one like there and then i wanted to be capable of one down the line yeah but that makes sense and i think once you actually start with your own self and say right accepting the story rather than using whatever story it is as a way to self-destruct or use it as a reason for not doing things uh it's a hell of a lot easier to actually open it up if you understand why and you come at peace with that story rather than being a victim it's a hell of a lot easier yeah, if like three months and he just started like actually like prying yeah and it was it was horrendous and i i would say that's the lowest my mood's been for like the last three or four years but then you get out the other end of it but it honestly is, it was do you need to go through that it like, was way worse than like how i felt before going I always for therapy. a nap after therapy those ones i couldn't do any work for that full month it was like free free done with me that were he was just constantly pushing back on stuff i was saying because i'd always like defend my mom if you know what i mean but he was like yeah but like you can't defend it and then i was just like i'm fucked <laughs> do you know what i mean i just yeah. i don't mean i'm fucked as in like i'm broken i'm just mean like mentally like i had to go sit in a park for like f four hours one day just cry where all, all the dogs kept coming up to me as well and i'm like, <laughs> fucking crying my eyes out but it was horrific and i felt like felt like the same sensation i felt when i've been burnt out or anything like that as well it just felt like i didn't want to do anything yeah i've had burnout a couple of times since going into the industry as i like yeah especially with pt it was like working 5 a.m to 9 p.m yeah uh, i got to the point that i was when i was like, is that same person you mean yeah 5 a.m to 9 p.m fully booked so i was all great um and then december no november november 19 so just before covid i was the day at the morning of my graduation i was flying over for my graduation for my nutrition course uh, i had a I had pt clients before i was flying over at lunchtime i crashed my car on the way to the gym crashed it into the wall literally about i've actually never said this uh about 300 meters from my family home uh crashed it into the wall um luckily someone else had got there ahead of me someone else had crashed their wall into that same wall probably about <laughs> three weeks before so they've done it if the wall so yeah uh drove down to the gym did my clients and my client was like you look very pale i was like yeah probably it's just having shock or whatever uh and then went to the i can see the type a now <laughs> still getting to the clients compartmentalize things and deal with shit later yeah fucking yeah. So I went down to the client, did, did, did the three clients back to back, went home and I was like, right, I've got an hour here to get a nap in and then go to the airport and stuff. And literally couldn't concentrate at all when I was like at the graduate, I couldn't enjoy the graduation in any way. I was like, what the fuck's happening? I'm gonna have to leave the industry. I'm gonna have to leave the industry. I'm gonna have to leave the industry. So I'd, I'd say uh, that was on the Friday and on the Monday I handed in my notice into the gym saying I was leaving and going fully online. Okay. And that was December. Yeah, that was, the, yeah, I think it was like the end of December, end of November into December. So that was 10 weeks before COVID hit the, or hit the world. So Do like, you think that's a blessing for you? That COVID, like, did that help you build online? I had, a, I was kind of doing hybrid as they call it. I kind of were doing the- I you know, never done full-time in-person. I only done a hybrid. Yeah. Because so I, I, I started the first lockdown. So I had to build online first. Yeah. And then- I went fuck up i'm half online anyway I'm, but i'm gonna do in person to 
get hours at, in the gym. So I'll, I never seen that as my full time business ever. Okay, yeah. No, so I was doing majority of my business was face to face, and then online I was kind of like, I'm gonna lose all my clients. So I said, the, I said what was going on at the time to the clients, and I'd say about seventy percent came with me one to one. So it's like, right, I've got this level of revenue to keep me going. I'll be fine, and then kind of just put it out on social media saying I've got open up five slots. They were gone within the day uh, when the algorithm was favorable. Um, <laughs> Yeah, now you it. need to do a lot of tricks. Yeah, now you, you know. need to like get a wee mic on the end of a water bottle and you'll be fine. Fuck's sake. <laughs> Too old for this shit. <laughs> um, so yeah, then left the industry and then kind of doing it fully online now since since 20. No, yeah, I'm confused the years. 20 was COVID, wasn't it? So yeah, 19, the end of 19 to now. So fully online four years next month. What what are the burnouts like? That's burnout, be quite that was good. One burnout because it's the exams for that course, and then working the nine, the five a.m. to nine p.m. Yeah, working the the clients all the back to back plus the course, plus trying to keep the business going, just completely burnt out. That a lot of PTs listen to this, so like we we've done me and Dale and James have done full topics where we talk about just like advice for personal trainers and stuff i never want to go down the mentorship route or anything like that so a lot of people message me saying is this the start of the transition i'm like absolutely transitioning not. no absolutely <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. i, I would not i never want to go down. i just don't feel like me coaching coaches will be something that i'll enjoy doing but i like still putting stuff out there that will help people because i think this industry needs it anyway like any help from anyone that's doing all right there's a lot of plastic people in the industry because it's also very hard to make it like it is i don't think it's that difficult in terms of if you actually put effort in but as in trying to find trustworthy sources that isn't just about like getting you better at sales because even just how to set up your business like it's so flawed going in a gym and doing mornings and nights even just but that's what most people do yeah. But that's just such a fucked business model that you work the opposite hours to everyone else. Because that's essentially what you do. That is, yeah. I remember like I was up at 5 a.m. First client would be 5.35 in the morning. And then the last client would probably be at 8 p.m. or half eight, And then you'd be coming back in the next morning. And you'd be like wondering why you could have no energy for social. And then you go your, your, do your client check and you go, why are you not getting enough sleep? Yeah, and then you're like, <laughs> you're fried. Why are you not eating enough food? I was like, why are you not eating regularly during the day? Like, why are you so fucked? It's like, no wonder. Like, it, it just, it is hard. Um, it. I'm not looking for sympathy. We're not looking for sympathy, but it is a difficult industry. Um, I think it is hard to stand out from the crowd. It is hard to try to be one of the good guys and actually give a shit about your clients because it's very easy to go right. Here's my glute builder program i'm not gonna give a shit about the clients but i got loads of money in or here's my six-pack shred program i'm gonna put you on 1200 calories and you're gonna have no libido but everyone's gonna buy it that's unfortunately the way people are wired the people who are buying the stuff are also wired that way they want the quick fix and people will play on that emotion of that insecurity of those pain points that people hold in on and they'll latch onto them and latch onto them and they'll push them down people's throats and people unfortunately will buy for them because they're so lost in that moment. They want to improve themselves. But same thing even happens with the algorithm. So I I said it a few times 
like the sort of videos that are do even from people that are coming at it from probably the right sort of mindset like helping people long term but when you do catchy sort of weight loss videos that are for the algorithm where you're doing stuff all you're sort of playing on is weight loss and then it's still and there the videos are going to get the most views so even it's just like a it's like a hamster wheel where the same thing happens just in different ways every time social media evolves the tricks evolve but it's still the same tricks it's the same trick and it's just it's just in a different method it could be a reel it could be a canva thing it could be a whatever it may be but people will just like it's just yeah it's just the catchiness of it it's the same shit. Well, what have you found like so how many different business models have you sort of tried then so you've done like face-to-face -face, then purely one-on-one -on -one online you do some sort of group coaching I, in terms of being like someone running a business what have you found has been like the most easy to manage so yeah i've done one-to-one -one, i've done the hybrids i've gone fully online and then i've done with online i've been fully on one-to-one -one, and now i've got a group on one-to-one -one. i prefer the group and the one-to-one -one as a so now it's kind of like the group coaching is an entry level cheap level for people to come into to see how it works to get the basic knowledge to actually understand like is it going to lose you 30 pounds in six weeks or eight weeks whatever it is no but it's going to make you understand that you can have your weekends you can have your fun and still get the results you're looking for and the one-to-one -one is the next level on that if you want to push your results improve your relationship with food improve your mental health push things to the next level for yourself or whatever that may be and actually get to the like deep root cause of why you overeat in the evening why you stress eat so the the, the, the group is entry level the one-to-one -one is proper getting into the deep roots of why stuff people do things and do you find you can still get achievable results with the group coaching or do you find a lot of people then realize they want one-to-one -one? because that's why i've always been a bit apprehensive of doing any sort of well if you've got group coaching you've got coaches there you'll still be able to help them one-on-one -on -one a wee bit if you know what i mean but i've always been sort of against doing apps or i won't do an app like an app an app is an awful lot of money and i won't do it that way i have one of my clients actually created the the program for me right so she was like this is what i would have needed at this time and she's been with me for five years or she's worked for you so no no she just did it i was kind of like she works as a business analyst and she was like i can create the document for you with all the algorithms hidden so people can enter in their details and they get it updated and we just do the check-ins on a weekly basis so is it an app no it's an excel sheet oh okay so the the group is an excel sheet um and it's really simple they enter in their name they enter in their weight they enter in their activity levels and their, cal their calories got calculated for them automatically right the macros are tailored to them it's like will you do this do this do this and then they fill in the information they fill in their little patch of what they've been struggling with or what their wins for the week is and then we give them their feedback but they're based in a Facebook group. They get weekly lives. They get exactly what they need. They get the support they need. They can ask any questions on the group that they need. And then the next level is the one-to-one -one where they can contact um, on WhatsApp Monday to Friday. They get a lot more hand-holding. Everything's a lot more personalized yeah. with the one-to-one -one because it's impossible to personalize it for that amount of people in a group. Oh yeah, you definitely can't do it. But but I, th but I think but some people will never go one on one or like they no. Will... And, I, and I've had clients who have done four or five of the groups and they're happy enough with that. They're like, I know 
what I need to do. This is a this is just my accountability piece. I know I'm not. I know I can do the one to one if I want, but I'm content enough with this. I know if I need to message you and say I want to go one to one, you let me in. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like I prefer I, the one to one is I I prefer it because it's it's getting to know the individual and how they work and how they tick. It's a lot more challenging for the individual and me as a coach. That uh, mentally. Mentally, and I think that's the hard part because sometimes you want to help someone so much and then they're not ready yet you know like with ourselves oh yeah i I have the exact same struggle yeah but i think all coaches have that there's always going to be clients that are amazing and there's always going to be clients that are maybe not ready or have other things going on and then will either ghost you uh which says a lot more about the person themselves because we've all been ghosted by clients Uh, never (laughs) (laughs) never uh but the ghosting thing is i think i got ghosted like about three weeks ago by a client um and i messaged her like that and she she has a a job that where like it wouldn't be um encouraged to from what i'd say like she's a teacher right um fucking principal of school um so like if one of our one of our students was ghosting or gaslighting she wouldn't be overly happy and i kind of just sent her an email saying look i understand you don't do this anyway that's fine but the ghosting element is frankly quite disgusting yeah Uh, and it's not really on and she sent me a message back saying just get being quite angry i was like i'm just saying how it is it's it's quite frankly disgusting says a lot you a lot bit more about you and people might be surprised that i was kind of hitting it head on with the the client i was like blocked me on whatsapp and then uh, sent me an email sent me a message on whatsapp first then blocked me on whatsapp uh, so i couldn't reply to it even though there was a question at the end of it mm. and then emailed me and then blocked me on social media and then blocked me that's kind of like so i emailed them and kind of said right this like the ghosting thing is it's more like you're scared of you're judging yourself more and you're protecting yourself so like i'm gonna shut down here yeah. i'm gonna like just completely go inward and not deal with my shit ever that's essentially what ghosting is for people when they're doing it with a coach it's like when people don't enter the stuff it's in. the same when someone goes someone dating wise anyway don't want it yeah it says a lot more about the other person like the other person's obviously hurt yeah it says a lot more about the individual than the person um yeah it's just i think that's the bit people don't see and i also th- i think people i'm not trying to look for a sympathy card again but people can forget that this is how we make our living yeah yeah i've i've found like the thing that annoy me the most is like if you have someone on for six i've had people on for like six months and then you'll like say thank you for coming on or whatever and they don't reply to it <laughs> yeah and uh, stuff yeah. like stuff i i just can't handle people being really rude and i find you do get that quite a lot but i do i'm quite lucky with clients these days i found that more in the beginning when, when your prices are low and stuff people actually just take the fucking the clients that find the clients that are paying the least are probably the more challenging yeah because uh, they're expecting the world um for what they want but the one-to-one clients know that they're investing things don't get me wrong you get amazing clients but there's also one or two that will come in and kind of rock the car a little bit and they take a lot more brain power and it's just i i have to get better 
at not letting getting it as personal as it does or not feeling it as a personal attack. But that's coming, that's leading back to what we spoke about earlier. That's that validation. That's that acceptance piece. That's looking from that's me looking for acceptance from them. Yeah. And that's not fair on them either. Yeah. But it works two ways. That's one thing that I want to work on next year is trying to calm myself down with clients. But I, I never take it, I never really take anything out on them. I'll more just be in, I'll probably get more annoyed at myself. Yeah. It's like, what could I have done better? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I'll think about every single avenue that I could have took a conversation or maybe like I've got them to do something where like maybe they weren't ready for that, that sort of thing. And I do get a wee bit worked up about it, but I'm never, don't think I've ever really had a, I'd won, I'd done an offer last year and I'd got all of them to do in-person sessions and one of them, she hadn't been to the gym, she'd started that week, she hadn't been, uh, she hadn't done a workout yet and it was like Saturday and then she'd booked in for an in-person session, she'd text me the night before, she was like, oh, I forgot, I was childminding, I was like, nah, fuck off. <laughs> like, yeah, but sometimes you have to protect yourself, like, but she she blocked me on everything as well. But she was trying to like I was like F you knew you were like you you obviously aren't child minding. And I've took and I, and they the way I do my one on one is if you start one on one online, you get a free in person session, and it's more like a workshop about how you to use your program. So essentially, I'm doing like I'm doing it for free because half my clients yeah. never do it because they they're not from Glasgow. So I'm like it's pretty much a free session. Yeah, and I've booked an hour out of my time. And you cancelled on me the night before. And I find that really, that victimhood mentality of like, I'm a cunt because I've called you out on it. I find that hard to deal with as well. Yeah, I think, and I've, and I, we've all had that when clients cancel sessions and stuff. And I think if you're open and honest with them, I'm kind of saying, right, this is, it's not fair. Like, obviously, if you have kind of like, I've got a two straight policy with it. I always have. I have a two straight policy with no check-ins. And then yeah. people find it. But I'm paying you. I was like, well, if you're paying me, why are you not doing the check-ins? Like, well, if, if it's a if it's a breakdown in me or if I'm not providing the service up to your level, I'll happily have a chat with you and we'll discuss it and be like adults and stuff and actually open it up. But often it's not. It's like, oh, there's something else going on when you get when you actually get an answer back from them on it. Like, I think people can forget that. Like, I'm so emotionally invested. I actually give a shit about my clients. It's not. I just, I just don't want just a big transformation photo. I want you to actually do. I want you to actually be compete, be at your best, and be actually come out of this saying, right, this was the best thing I've ever done for myself. My kids have their mom back, or I've got a better relationship with food. I'm able to go and get the ride, or whatever it may be. <laughs> You're actually able to enjoy your life again. That's for me is more important than any transformation photo. The transformation photos are great for marketing. And I'm in that limbo now of like, will I do any more transformation photos and post them up on social media? I'm in that I, limbo I'm, stage. I'm out. Yeah. I'm out. <laughs> I've made the decision. I'm out. Uh, I, I'm finished. I'm over there. I'm, uh, I think I'm finished with transformation photos. I'm, I'm going to try to client testimonials or transformations in other ways, like posting people's lifts and more stuff like that. Yeah. And I think like I find now the, the client pieces that I like the most are the the client episode of the podcast. So I know I've got one tomorrow. And to say that girl's transformation or woman's transformation is mentally, 
is like talking to two different people yeah i'd love even just hearing out more being described as like their story do you know what i mean but that's it like it's kind of like when you sometimes like i'll only ever ask clients that i feel have a story and then like you talk to them and kind of like they feel like i don't have a story and i was talking to this client in particular and i was kind of like that's good if you don't want to do it but i feel like if you look at what we've achieved from when you first started you've done this 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 and she was like oh it's like yeah sometimes we can just be feel that we're not worthy of doing yeah. it or that the, the the whole anticipation of putting yourself out there or telling your story because you're not ready to deal with it which can happen that can kind of blur the lines a little bit and i'm excited to see i it's excited to see the conversation tomorrow and see how it goes i reckon you get more clients off of stuff like that than a picture they're the anyway. most downloaded episodes are the are client they? episodes yeah um because because people are desperate to hear someone that's been in their position like and and, but everyone, and but really no, see how they've done it and no, i think transformation is such a visual word do you know what i mean whereas you can actually hear how what someone's been through sort of thing yeah and it's 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 also like it's realizing that your own problems are not your own like someone else may have that social anxiety around food when they're ace and about with their friends or they may have that food guilt or the drink when they may have their they might be struggling with stress eating or they may not feel comfortable in their clothes that's kind of understanding like right it is possible to get out the other sides but it's also not as maybe a huge undertaking as you're maybe thinking it is with a little bit of guidance in the right direction a little bit of that kind of like i don't know some some awkward conversations to skirt around it can be done um and i find that more rewarding as a coach for when someone comes out and just sends a message like like I've had clients have said they've been told by doctors that they can't have kids and then they had H H A for years I was kind of like well why don't we try and do this this and this and now that client has baby boys twins and by tweaking one or two things because they hadn't done anything just looking after themselves mostly. We, we brought in a supplement we reduced their stress significantly we got them to eat that a little bit more and don't get me wrong that whole psychological aspect of eating more for where that person was uh was was huge and uh, now she's got two gorgeous baby boys they're, they're the that's the most are. rewarding ones it's not the transformation photos it's funny because the more the most difficult clients in the beginning if you get them or over the you line get, if you get the breakthrough yeah yeah <laughs> that's what we're looking for I mean, we're little dopamine fucking freaks oh, we just, just we want to help feed the, my ego <laughs> Me. the most difficult client we want to help because they're they're the most rewarding but i've also realized now in the last maybe 12 months 18 months it's kind of like knowing when to know when that person's not wanting to do this and step away and say right shane you need to protect yourself here like i can only help so much if that person's not willing to or not wanting to or not ready to it's kind of like being ready and being okay with stepping away that you've done everything you can but it's actually being open and honest with yourself and not being deprecating to yourself and saying right and being a prick to yourself saying why did you do this why did you do this it's actually saying right could it tweak this could we have worried of this and actually not being a dick to yourself on the whole thing and being okay with stepping away from clients if they're taking an awful lot of brain power because so it can happen avoiding perfectionism as a coach as well and that's what you're trying to do because i sort of now give myself because a lot like I, I don't know what a good percentage of just even getting someone in a better place is 
but like that might not be anywhere near as high as people think it is it might only be like 50 60 percent where you get them to a better place depends where you're at but like the idea that 99 percent of your clients are gonna be like way way better yeah. i think that's just an absolute it's jobs way harder than that do you know what i mean like a lot, i bet you there's a lot of client a lot of pts out there that like 10 20 percent of them are doing well until they have the skill set and then you're getting up like five percent each time i do find that we're kind of in a era when people and maybe it's the mentors of kind of like it's more important to get more people in the door rather than actually serve the ones you have like it's a lot less effort from a psychological aspect so like if you can't f help them fuck them off get someone else in do you mean yeah or else if you're more prepared to have 50 clients but you can only actually serve 30 to the best of your ability you're more interested in getting another 20 so your revenue goes up and forgetting the other 30 rather than actually keeping the 30 and keeping the 30 for six seven months that's going to keep you fed that's going to keep you well that's going to keep the roof over your head and actually focusing on that too many coaches are taught by mentors that they need to get more clients get more clients get more clients you need to have a va you need to have an admin person you need to have a videographer you need to systemize have, systemize synergy whatever the uh -huh. fucking buzzwords are but that's what coaches are taught and like no wonder people feel hard done by when they get a shit coach because i can assure you there are a lot of them a majority yeah i think it's getting better though I genuinely do think. I do think it's getting the better. last year or two. I'd say it's got better. I think since COVID, it has got better. Yeah, I, I said this in a podcast the other day. I think, I genuinely do, love him or hate him. I think James Smith has had a more positive, like oh, James has changed the game in a he, positive light. He's brought a lot more people that understand things in rather than it being. I, I like. I feel like most. I was talking to Dale about this the other day. The idea that you do, like, cal calories then photos every week measurements and it's all been a spreadsheet and that's all you do and then the one check-in and it all being about fat loss and the transformation photo after 12 weeks even the free monthly block that's all really outdated it's all just been like that's the way everyone's done it and then it's always been that's how it's been taught but i think he changed how everyone sort of thinks about their business model as well and the way that coaches are a lot more it's about no let's understand their problems instead of just give them this solution and if they don't follow the solution then it's their problem i remember going to a talk by given by james and darren in london and one of the things he says like if you can't explain why you're talking to to a client like they're a five-year-old you don't understand it so you can't be teaching people if you can't understand it there's no point in you just reading books and books and books and books and books and never actually applying any of it with your clients or any of it applying to yourself. I think most studies are pointless in this job, to be honest. <laughs> I genuinely do. I've read plenty, but I, I don't think I can't really the remember. Majority of them, like I think you, I think you do need to know surface level basics, but I don't think you need to know like the certain range on a bench press for Mary down the road where her pecs are going to be like. I need to get Mary to go in the gym. <laughs> basically <laughs> or go for a walk i need to get mary to like me <laughs> to I, then go to the i think those skills are way more well i mean you do see those pts in there that their their clients do turn up to every session but their information is absolutely woeful when they're just friends and they're but, some, but at least they're but exercising like i remember having clients 
and they'd be like shane i'm just paying you to, i'm just paying to chat to you i was like as long as we're open <laughs> <laughs> that's cool with me it's like i'm not here to kind of get shredded i'm just here to do my three sessions with you a week and kind of lift a bit of weights get out of the house get away from the kids and actually have a chat and i was like do you know what i respect that yeah not kind of like you're not putting undue pressure on yourself and you know what the, those kind of those clients actually got what they wanted out of it they got stronger they felt better in the clothes they felt more confident they were the they were the interesting ones kind of like no i'm being candid with you there i just literally just want to get strong want to have a chat and we don't talk about those people enough though because you might actually really had the positive impact on them i remember that six months you worked with them even if you're just working out with them they might still be going to the gym and you they would have never went if they never done well, sessions i remember i had a 75 year old 76 year old woman jean she was like my mother yeah. uh, i had her as a client i remember in the gym i used to work in it was a chain of gyms and they they actually highlighted her as a client and because she was it was like the gym i was in was kind of full of young people with big glutes and all that kind of stuff and jean would rock in lifting more than most of them and like genuinely she put a lot of them to shame it was like it was just nice to actually have a conversation with him and yeah. not talking about superficial stuff she was like she'd actually give you proper advice she'd give you uh it was really nice but she she kind of led by example she like i remember doing that um that video for that the gym i was working at the time using her as an example but she was just there she wants to get out of the house to be stronger lead by example her daughters used to do the classes as well with her uh, it was great it was a community aspect for her it was a family aspect for her she just wants to feel better and just have a chat like and those are the ones that you need to remember isn't it like so the longer it, you work you need to like i found myself this year pulling myself back going right you don't need to like do anything more just remember why you started the job pro you probably do, you, i definitely have lost like i haven't genuinely thought about that for a long time about those kind of clients that came in just like you're, you can kind of focus we all focus in on the negative quite easily because it's really easy to do about the kind of the difficult awkward clients but you forget about the ones that have actually impacted on you as well and kind of like you've learned from them about certain things and certain things you should be saying or they've given you advice on certain things because there's always some there's always someone out there that can can help you as well and guide you it's not all about us having to help all the time they can help you as well well, you learn. I think as a, the, the biggest learning you do as a coach is from the mistakes you make anyway. And boy, have I made a lot of them. Yeah, loads. Like, like I look back at the, the I, I found recently the initial PT programs I gave out when I first started. Mate, I, I actually think I'd be I physically like, sick of that. How someone didn't die. <laughs> I didn't and like I found the old pricing sheet I used to have for one-to-one uh, -one coaching I was like this is so fucking tacky <laughs> and then I remember like I got like a I think there was like a Lenovo iPad or something like that and I had all the programs and that so I was like I was the shit I was like I was looking at the, the cover I was like I literally am a 40 year old man so <laughs> it's just like one of those flip phone ones it's <laughs> like fuck's sake but like yeah it's just funny looking at it now looking back Right, the last sort of bit I want to go into, like you seem, so I'm really big with like reframing the way people, even just, like I've always done this since I started coaching, was just pick the way people word things and just try like even bring it up to them. Not even necessarily go, you need to say it like this, but yeah. just like picking the way 
people word things so like you've said stuff like on podcasts or what i've just wrote it down i just want to ask you more in detail about it so like i think you said one that when people say i'm an emotional eater you're you're not you're someone who eats emotionally i'm glad that is an actual quote <laughs> i didn't just it's make it up yeah, if good. you want to go into more detail about that yeah so it's kind of like when we were talking earlier about kind of like that kind of story that the victim mode would be involved into they kind of it's kind of like if people kind of say that they're an emotional leader they identify as it so that means it justifies the action it's like well that's not what really the problem is it's like you're not an emotional leader you're someone who eats emotionally is almost kind of taking a step back from it and saying well all humans eat emotionally birthdays christmas um communions whatever it may be we all do it and i think there's some element of it there's a that we can latch on to that story of like i'm an emotional eater i'm not going to deal with my stuff so i'm going to behave like this continuously because i don't want to deal with any of it so it becomes a justification for the action rather than actually believing it itself but it does become a truth over time it's like i'm an emotional eater i i'm a stress eater or i'm not good enough whenever i ask this that that question to someone's like define good enough no one can ever define it. It's like, well, do you mean with training or do you mean with nutrition? It's like, no, no, no. Define, tell me what good enough means and no one can do it because it's so good enough to you will be different to me. Good enough for me is being there for my family and being there for my girlfriend. Anything else not as a bonus. I don't need anything else. I have everything else. I don't need anything else, but that's taken 36 years to realize that. Some people will never get to that, unfortunately. So when people talk about like, oh, I'm an emotional eater, it's like, no, no, no. You're someone who eats emotionally when they don't know how or unable to or want to specifically avoid in a feeling that they don't want to deal with because you've never been taught how to deal with it or you're intentionally stress eating or numbing something. But it can also be like when people start talking about like the fuck a put as well, like, oh, I've overeaten the weekend. The fuck a button is just another way for you just to fire your actions as a way to describe it rather than actually saying and trying to null in and trying to hone in on why you do the action. To avoid the responsibility. Yeah, it's kind of it. like, oh, I've just pressed the fuck a button. It's like, no, you've overeaten. It's a way to make yourself feel better about it. Yeah, it's that. a justification for the action. It's kind of like, I now I know this is a label of it. I'm going to keep saying this and this is my way to do it. I know I'm going to press the fuck a button on the weekend. No, no, no. That's you telling yourself to press the fuck a button on the weekend. It's like when people say, oh, I might go to for a walk. It's like, you're not going to go for that walk because you've already given yourself a permission to not do it. People, I said the word might. I'll pick up on that. Like team, when people say I'll try, yeah, I'm like, maybe. let's change, let's change that. But I, but that's only something that I've kind of, but see when people say I'll, I'll do my best or I'll, I'll give it a go. I always try, like I'll try to deal with that there and then as well. Cause but that's, I, I think they were already, they're already like, at that button yeah, yeah they're kind of like one foot out but there's also when people come to me it's like oh i'm going to be a really really annoying client it's like oh i just don't take them don't on don't be oh no i just say i, I, I believe you <laughs> <laughs> off your trot <laughs> but, it's, but people will say like i'm going to be a really annoying client i'm going to be the worst client you've ever had it's like no you won't challenge accepted <laughs> you're a sociopath with stuff like that you love this more than me like the discord bro <laughs> come at me it's like yeah i've right. had worse trust me <laughs> have you okay yeah so like but people like, like I, I don't get me wrong i was full of my own shit for 30 years but i think it's because i was full of my own shit for 30 years it's kind of like 
I'm do you think so, that gives you a better understanding of what people are actually seeing in their head? I think I genuinely think because I went through my own shit for so long, it probably makes me a lot more empathetic and wanting to help people. Probably sometimes the detriment to my own health of trying to help people more. I genuinely think that's why I'm in the industry to help people. But sometimes it can't come at a cost of causing too much stress or causing burnouts or whatever it may be. And I was trying to find that line. I find found that line now. And I know if I push over that line with the amount of clients I get, I'm like, this is going to fall pretty quick. So, yeah, I don't mean to bring up the watch again, but I did. My resting heart rate was 50, right? And I've only got it since last night. I started working before you came. And I just was, I was reading a message that I told you about earlier. And I was up at 78. <laughs> <laughs> and I was sending it. <laughs> I was sitting in the, I told you about it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Remember the one yeah. that I said they can't control. I don't want to mention it. Yeah, it's good. That's mad. But so it goes up to, it jumped up 20. That's just from, so, so reading one message that clearly tells me that I'd like take on things too much. But we can, we can all, it's, there's nothing wrong with taking something personally. It's, do I have an issue with people taking offense to things? Because people want to be offended. It's like you have to value that person's opinion over your own to take that opinion. Like my dad says, like, opinions are like ourselves. Everyone has one. But yeah, I've heard that plenty of times. But you, sorry, I, my brain went because I just thought about something else. Yeah. But because Paul, Paul said something, who was my therapist, like I was saying, like one of my exes made me feel a certain way. And he was like, let's change, let me walk you through that right now. They didn't make you feel like that. Like you have t taken a context that you already, like you've put it in a framework that you already believe. Yeah. And you've made yourself feel that way. And he was like, also, by the way, like you should have absolutely left her. <laughs> but like already, but like she didn't make you feel that way. You allowed yourself to be in that situation. You made yourself but feel that way. Words have no meaning. Yeah, that's what he was getting. To. Yeah, and I remember, I remember the therapist saying, Sharon saying that to me as I was like, words have no meaning unless, like, if yeah, if I called you a carrot right now, you'd be like, no offense. Yeah. But if I called you a worthless piece of shit, you would take offense to that, or something, or some other word I can come up with from what you've just said. But you would take offense to that because you've got this data point, you've got created this story and belief in your head somewhere that if someone else says it, it must be true. Confirmation bias. Yeah, and that's what people do is like. If someone's had been bullied as a kid or comments have been made about their weight and they're like, I feel fat or you're worthless because you're fat or you have weight issues or you're pig ugly or whatever it may be. And someone else says that to them over time. They're like, oh, my God, that's that's like it's almost like having a piece of paper and having a, a biro and drawing the line lightly. And more people say it, the more people say it, that line gets thicker and thicker and thicker and more ingrained into the page. That's what happens with stories. We start to repeat them over in our head and over in our psyche. But if you actually dissect it, nothing about us is actually true. Nothing about us is true. If you want to go really into it, our names aren't even our names. <laughs> Don't fry my head. <laughs> but if you really, really want to go into it, yeah. the ego and all this kind of stuff, our names aren't even our names. They're a label given to us. Yeah. Don't fry my head. No, yeah, because yeah, I'm just like, I'm a, what am I? <laughs> Carrot. Who, 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 who am I? Do I even support what Celtic? 
yeah. or was that ingrained in me yeah. um before there was one question that i did really want to, like because these are the things that i think about so like when see stuff you were talking about i don't know if you need to get to a certain point because just say when i was so when i was overweight when i was young and i just wanted to lose weight so i thought that would make me happy yada 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 same fucking stories every cunt else yeah i wouldn't i couldn't even comprehend what you're talking about yeah and try and get someone to zoom out and see that like how how would you go about that conversation like obviously i do this with clients or i try yeah but it's one of the biggest challenges because even trying to i remember i was saying our client i had a client called sharon last year and she still messaged me and she still like tells me every time she's put on weight and stuff and i've tried every fuck i've tried i've got my handbook i've tried everything and i don't i don't know how to get her to i've told her i think she really needs to go for therapy um but I was trying to tell her, I was like, your thoughts aren't, like, your thoughts aren't r real things. Like, they aren't facts. Yeah. And she was like, no, but I believe them. And I was like, that's only because you choose to believe them as well. And she just, like, she wouldn't get it. I was like, I want you to, like, actually write down stuff. Because like, I was like, some of the stuff you say, I'll tell you from my point of view, are ridiculous and they're not true. So if you write them, I tend to find if I write them down, yeah. I can see where I'm killing myself. Because if it's if it's in my head, it'll just circle round. Yeah. Whereas if I get it out of my head on a paper and go, right, the, that thought is doing me zero service whatsoever. And even though I can't be like get it out of my head straight away, I can be aware of it and go, all right, that thought's back. And even the awareness is like the first starting to get yeah, over so it like awareness like, awareness is the piece the, the 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 key to discovery and i think if you actually write it out on a piece of paper and sometimes it helps with clients and this is what i got taught how to do is divide a page into two left hand sides this therapy facts, taught you this right hand side opinion now write out whatever you're thinking into which column it associates with you'll soon realize that 99 percent of the shit that's going on is a is completely opinion none of it actually has any reality but if you actually write it out, people are very good at when people are saying, well, I've, oh, my head's really busy, I can't sleep. It's like, well, what are you doing to get it out? It's like a, it's like a Guinness can with a widget. It just keeps rattling and rattling and rattling. You need to get it out. It needs to be released. It needs to actually be written down. You can actually see it there. And it's kind of like, because I found my old journals, because one of the big things I had to do at the time was journaling. I haven't journaled in ages. I, I still do it. I just, I just, <coughs> I, I, it got me to a point but I just felt that point has kind of passed now. If I need to figure something out, I'm comfortable enough now to talk about it. So I'll be like, I'll do both. Yeah. <clears throat> and what it's whatever works for, for the individual. I'll either, if I go home for kind of the, the Sunday dinner to my folks, I'll talk to my parents about it or I'll talk to my partner about it. I'll, I'll ring one of the lads and say, this is what's going on. That wasn't me. I just held, held up for so long. But I found that really big exercise of fact the opinion is really, really useful. It's kind of like if you're going for a job, it's like weighing up the pros and the cons. It's that kind of list. Is that <clears throat> CBT? Is that, yeah, is that CBT? So I, yeah, I got, I, I got CBT'd. Yeah. <laughs> I had a, but same sort of thing. I, I would have just had to write that, write, write, wrote down all my thoughts and label, there was like one to 10 different things so it was like oh, is this all or nothing thinking as a labels and then you just go through like say it was like six different thoughts i had yeah. and you lay you tick all the boxes 
and you can get that it's so it's amazing what how that because it doesn't people will be like because people even i bet you people think well i know they will quick fixes with therapy as well like you've done six months of it you'll get i've gone back to it like it hasn't been six months and that's it it was six months and then i was going back probably every couple of months to them or to sharon and then i haven't been in a while or she doesn't do therapy she's not she doesn't practice anymore um but i've tried the odd times like the odd time like will i go back and what stops me is one is the price of it <laughs> because it's just mental it's gone up by about 40 percent from when i was there i was 50 quid an hour what one it was 100 quid an hour when i was doing it so i think it's about 130 140 quid oh, an that's hour expensive now. so i was like if if i really I, but I, I do think that for something to change for someone weight loss life whatever it is nothing's really going to change until you get uncomfortable enough or something happens unfortunately that's what's going to work for people i wouldn't have changed if i hadn't got sick i wouldn't be here if i didn't get sick yeah i but, but think people won't change until they get uncomfortable enough and they get to a point that people are like oh i'm gonna start going to the gym it's like no you won't because you're not that's you're, why that's why a breakup's so good for some people isn't it yeah breakup probably helped me a lot yeah and sometimes even though it was the worst fucking thing I've oh ever it's horrible through. it's but, disgusting it's horrible but at the same time you're kind of like i look back now it's like that person that i that i was i was such a dick in that relationship mm. like oh i was so <clears throat> lost and all i was talking about was giving out and all this kind of stuff i was like I can see why the rows are happening. I can see why they're like, why those discussions are happening because I was bringing up stuff that was not related to what we were doing or the potential future that was going to be there. It was all about poor me, poor me, poor me. I was making it about me when it had to be about us. Yeah. But that's looking back with nearly nine years looking back at it. But I think people will only ever change until they get uncomfortable enough, unfortunately. I think that's a good note to end on <clears throat> and i will forever be trying to figure out how to get them to do that without them having to have a blood clot <laughs> yeah don't do blood clots oh, yeah don't i would do, don't from, do fluid on your lungs tough on yeah i wouldn't imagine so but yeah thank you very much for coming on shane has actually flown all the way from dublin as well by the way which i'll mention it in the intro but thank you very much thank you very I much appreciate it um work so <laughs> all the way from over out fuck off mate where can people find you as well i'm, oh, I'm gonna mention it and then because yeah. i have listened to your podcast so like um where can people find me they can find me on at shane watch fitness on instagram or the shane watch podcast on spotify yeah. or itunes i'll definitely mention the intro because i don't think people tune in this far <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly Who's but uh, at the end listen yeah. for your instagram handles thank you very much